I am Barrington Brennan, counseling psychologist and marriage and family therapist with your daily relationship nugget. I'm delighted to let you know that this program is currently being broadcast on four radio stations in the Caribbean, Belize, Cayman Islands, the Bahamas, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. In addition, I'm glad to say that it's also on Spotify going around the world on Spotify, Adventist World Radio on Spotify. So I would like to hear from you. How are you enjoying this program? You can reach me via email by using info at soencouragement.org or you can go on my website at www.soencouragement.org forward slash rn or you can text me via WhatsApp or your cell phone from anywhere in the world on 1-242-477-4002. Let me hear from you. Let me know how you enjoy this program. Today, I will share on the topic Dress is not a reason to rape. You know, perhaps I cannot exhaust the topic of sex and dress as no matter how much I talk about it on this program, no matter how much I write or have a program, some people will always hold on to one opinion that dress causes men to rape women. In my recent article and radio broadcast, I stress that dress has nothing to do with it. It is about power and control, anger or degrading view of women. I'm not saying that sexually revealing clothing is okay or that it does not arouse onlookers. Arousal is one thing, but personal discipline, common sense and self-control must rule the mind. If a woman dresses on the night out at the club in such a way that she wants a man to seduce her or she will seduce him, that is a far cry from rape. I do wish that our women would dress more appropriately in public. I have seen so many women and men in public that look as though they should not have been or should not have left home or should not have left their bedrooms. Sometimes you can tell if they are wearing thongs or bras or where all their curves are. Does dress reveal who you are or your intention? Can dress impact how you feel or perform on the job? Yes. For many years, social scientists have studied the impact of dress on behavior. The results are stunning. However, Note that no research empirically states that dress causes rape. In this um, article in 2004, Dress, Body, and Self, Research in the Social Psychology of Dress, the authors share a research that leads one to think. It exposes the scientific information how dress does impact behavior. Here is the quote. In the 1980s, Researchers were interested in women's provocative, revealing sexy dress and the extent to which men and women attributed the same meaning to it. For example, 
both Edmonds and Cohen in 1986 and Cohen and Edwards in 1987 found ratings of women who were provocative, who wore provocative dress, were more negative than ratings of women who wore non-provocative dress. No specific theory was identified by these authors as guided their research. Overall, when wearing provocative dress, a model was rated more sexually appealing, more attractive, less faithful in marriage, more likely to engage in sexual teasing, more likely to use sex for personal gain, more likely to be sexually experienced, and more likely to be raped than when wearing conservative dress. End of quote. The research also indicates that sexually appealing dress usually decreases the respect granted to the woman. However, there is no, no such research that states that dress causes rape, although it can influence arousal. I stress that it is about personal accountability. We must not lower our men to the concept that they are male dogs on heat looking for female dogs likewise on heat. I do appeal to women to dress less revealing or modestly in public, not to prevent rape, but to eliminate the universal objectification of women. Women are not property or sexual objects. Sexually dressed women are used to sell cars, batteries, food, tools, open bank accounts. Women, you are more valuable than that. Before I end this podcast, I must address briefly misconceptions and misuse of the Bible passage found in 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 4. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to the wife. That's the New International Version. This text is used to defend a man's view of forced sex. Here are some of statements made by men who think that married men cannot rape their wives. The Bible says, my wife's body belongs to me, so she must never, never refuse me, and the husband cannot rape himself. These statements are based on a false concept of the value of women and a misconception of Scripture. In 2001, I wrote, this is an article on the topic, when a husband says in his defense against the proposed marital rape law that the Bible says, my wife's body belongs to me, so she must never refuse me. He is giving a number of negative messages. Listen what he thinks. First, that his wife has no control over her body and she is the property of her husband. Second, that the sex drive is the, is the dictator to one's behavior and not reason. Third, that his opinion and feelings are always more important than those of his wife's. Note that the text was written to respond to the negative views of women. During the time of the writing of the text, women had no value and were only sexual property of men. Paul was seeking to elevate the state or the status of women within a specific context, 
which was never to be taken as an ideal. Although Paul states that the wife's body belongs to the husband, the men did not expect him to say that the husband's body belongs to the wife. That was a new concept for them. When a wife says, my husband can take it whenever he wants, suggests that she has been indoctrinated and duped by the teaching that she is only a piece of sexual property, and also she has not been painfully raped by her husband. When a husband, in his defense against the, uh, the laws that a uh, that man can rape his wife, says a husband cannot rape his wife, he is misunderstanding the meaning of oneness in marriage. He is suggesting that one flesh in marriage takes away the identity of a woman. He forgets that there could only be a marriage when there are two distinct individuals. He forgets that a loving marriage can only exist when two individuals remain distinct and unique. That's the one and only way there can be reciprocal love. If the wife becomes non-existent after the marriage vows, then the relationship becomes akin to that of a slave and a master. So my dear brothers and sisters and friends listening today, remember, love does not force, it is tender. You have been listening to Your Daily Relationship Nugget. I am Barrington Brennan, keeping a smile on your heart.